This is episode 25 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the Angry Programmer with a mic, Ryan Bemrose. It's hard to find news this week, even tech news, that isn't about Russia or Ukraine. Even when I do find tech news, it's mostly the usual political virtue signaling that seems to be so popular with these huge Silicon Valley companies that are long on wokeness, short on competition, and who spend their days coming up with new ways of squandering money and customer goodwill on things that are completely orthogonal to their business models. And so it hasn't been easy to bring you angry tech news this week. Most of the tech news sources I use have been clogged up with what, were I of a conspiratorial persuasion, I might call a coordinated propaganda blitz. But I am not, at least on this show, so I've had to sift through an inordinate amount of what I'll just simply call political spam. In the interest of completeness, here is a quick rundown of some of the tech-related Ukraine stories. If, like me, you become triggered when foreign wars butt into your tech news, I urge you to use the next chapter button in your podcast app right now to skip to the actual tech news stories. Disney has paused the release of its upcoming movies in Russia. The list includes, according to Wikipedia and unnamed sources, remakes of The Little Mermaid, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, Toy Story, Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5, Frozen 5, Ice Age 12, still frozen, six sequels to existing Marvel movies, another Star Wars trilogy, Indiana Jones 5, The Onset of Dementia, and one original IP from Pixar called Turning Red. And for the record... I did not make most of that up. Disney really is continues to recycle everything. Google has blocked access to Russian apps, including news in their Ukraine app store, presumably under the assumption that Ukrainian combatants would rather suffer the fog of war than risk any potential exposure to information that Google would prefer to censor. This move comes shortly after Ukrainian vice despot Mikhailo Fedorov called on American companies to take sides against Russia by cutting off digital goods and services to ordinary citizens who would almost certainly rather be anywhere else. Google continued to do their part for the war effort by screwing over the little guy by disabling access to its Maps product in Ukraine after citizens reportedly used the tool to track the location of troop movements so as to not be there. Apple, responding to the same call, has recently decided to jump on the woke train and punish millions of people for political reasons as well. They announced today that Apple Maps has been limited in Russia, and that Apple Pay has been shut down. Let this serve as your weekly Angry Tech News reminder that the convenience of digital payments should not outweigh the risk that you take in using money that can be turned off. Other companies that jumped on the censorship train included online retailer H&M and Nike, who sells shoes which have nothing to do with war but everything to do with making sure that you get your virtue out there and fully signaled. Meanwhile, amidst reports of widespread internet outages in Ukraine, Elon Musk sprang into action and pledged to send more Starlink terminals to the connectivity-embattled country. 
It's not clear how many more, although the number is expected to fall short of the hundreds of thousands of terminals that would be necessary to fully restore the internet. It's also not clear when or how those terminals would get there, given the trade embargoes. And the company also warned not to use the terminals while Russian planes flew overhead, lest their radio beacons be used to pinpoint the bombing of infrastructure. But hey, it's a thought that counts, right? Everyone agrees that this move is universally beneficial for Musk's public image. Finally, Netflix has refused to carry 20 Russian-produced channels in that market's local version of its service. Actually, this story might not be Ukraine-related, at least not directly, although Netflix certainly isn't letting a crisis go to waste. Like many countries, Russia has broadcast rules in place to which foreign companies must adhere in order to do business in the country. This includes a list of must-carry TV channels produced in Russia. In 2021, Netflix passed the milestone of 100,000 subscribers in Russia, the threshold for being regulated under this law. In December, the TV regulator Roskomnadzor, may have butchered that, announced that Netflix will be expected to comply with these laws by the 1st of March. Now, there's a lot of reasons why a company might bristle at the idea of being suddenly regulated like this. Most commonly and rationally, because complying with regulations costs money and effort, or because it interferes with their business model. This was not the reason given by Netflix. No, Netflix is a woke company run by woke people who care more for the progressive cause of the week than for making money, it would seem. And they can't pass up any opportunity for virtue signaling. This week, a Netflix spokeshole said, Given the current situation with Ukraine, we have no plans to add these channels to our service. They referred to the must-carry channels as government propaganda. And while it's very likely true that at least some of the 20 channels contain Russian government propaganda, the company seems perfectly fine feeding its customers U.S. government propaganda on nearly every channel. So I'm struggling to see the moral argument here. At this point, it's not clear what Russian regulators will do now that the March 1st deadline has arrived. European regulators have a long history of slapping the statutory maximum fines on arrogant U.S. corporations, and arrogant U.S. corporations have a long history of treating those fines like an accounting rounding error and continuing to make money hand over fist while breaking the law. So perhaps that's what happens with Netflix in Russia, or maybe Russia gets tough and throws Netflix out of the country entirely. Bad fiscal move for Netflix? Maybe. But great optics for progressive ESG shareholders. And honestly, what does a company care about fiscal policy when they'll just make it up off of Americans' 26th viewing of cuties in between climate change documentaries? From the Creative Robot Overlords Department, the U.S. Copyright Office rejected last week a request to copyright a piece of AI-generated artwork. At issue was a case from Stephen Thaler, who wanted to copyright pictures on behalf of an algorithm called the Creativity Machine. The selling point for the Creativity Machine is that it creates art with, quote, extremely minimal human interaction. As it turns out, that was also the sticking point with the Copyright Office. The decision calls out that U.S. courts have been consistent in finding that only works created by humans are eligible for copyright protection. The most famous case surrounded a 2011 photo published by photographer David Slater, whose camera was stolen by a macaw monkey. When Slater got the camera back, quote, the monkey must have taken 200 pictures. The court found that because the monkey and not Slater pushed the button, 
that Slater did not own copyright to the selfie. Further, because the monkey is not human, the photo could not be copyrighted. Interestingly, that last note became contentious when People for Ethical Treatment of Animals started a legal campaign to allow animals to hold copyrights. To my knowledge, their lawsuits have all been dismissed under the legal standard of lol no. Thaler's attempt to assign copyright to AI-generated artwork comes only six months after a judge denied his attempt to patent an algorithm created by an AI. There are many who point out that even while computers and AI are not yet the creative equals of humanity, that time is coming sooner than you may think. Having seen the Star Trek episode where the Federation tries to treat data as property, I understand that this human-centric view of intellectual property is a slippery slope that inevitably leads to the creation of a robot slave class. But for now, I'm kind of glad for this ruling. Humanity is already doing a fine job of finally dicing up and parceling out what's left of our shared cultural heritage into ever-expanding fiefdoms of government-granted monopolies. Imagine how much more quickly it would be done if we had computers to do it. From the Free Games Are Worth Every Penny department. In the distant past, PC software was the Wild West. To get new software, you downloaded a binary from the internet. Or you sneakerware to a stack of floppies, but let's not go that far back, and ran it. There was no way of knowing in the general case if that software you ran was going to harm your system or your data. The only real security was, do you trust the person who gave you this? Installing software back then was literally running a remote code execution attack on your system and hoping that it wasn't malware. There's even a term for malware that infects your system by violating that trust. It's called a Trojan. So basically, all of that is still true. The difference now is that we have app stores, or more generally, we have centralized software repositories managed by organizations that we are assumed to trust. The promise of an app store, in theory, is that because you can trust where you got the code, that it's safe to install. Of course, it doesn't really always work like that in the real world. There's also a term for a Trojan that infects your system by infiltrating a central code repository that you trust implicitly. It's called a supply chain attack, and it's bad. Bad for the user because of the havoc that can be wreaked on an unsuspecting system. Even worse for the repository, which is now suspect and no longer has that trust. The security firm Checkpoint Research released details last week of a sophisticated Trojan that installs itself via the official Windows Store. Checkpoint has dubbed this one ElectronBot. The malware is initially installed when a user installs an infected Apex package from the Windows Store. Checkpoint listed out several publishers of free games where they have found the malware, including Loopy Games, Crazy 4 Games, Juju Q Games, Akshi Games, Goo Games, and Bizon Case. When the game is run, the malware downloads a secondary install package from the internet, which installs the payload, usually a JavaScript Electron package, hence the name. Because the payload is downloaded each time the software is run, the malware is constantly updating and evolving itself. Once installed, the bot payload searches the system for social media credentials and then performs a variety of SEO poisoning, social media promotion, and click fraud, as well as uploading user credentials to the cloud for future botnet use. Checkpoint says that as of last week, the malware had infected more than 5,000 Windows machines, a number which, according to unnamed sources, represents 100% of the users who have ever installed anything from the Windows App Store. 
from the Free Mods 2 department. The developer of many popular Cities Skylines mods has been banned from the online community and from the Steam Workshop after users discovered that the devs' mods contained malware. Last year, the modder, who goes by the name Chaos, released a redesigned version of the Harmony mod framework that many mods rely on in the game, which included, among other things, an automatic update mechanism for all mods attached to the game. The updater was reportedly used to replace other mods with forked versions, which included trackers and keyloggers, as well as functionality to severely slow down the game and introduce performance bottlenecks. Bottlenecks which were conveniently solved by performance fixing mods, also released by Chaos. The issue flew under the radar for months because Harmony is not a mod in itself, but rather a required dependency of dozens of other highly popular mods. When users noticed a degradation in game performance, the finger was immediately pointed to the mod that was recently installed. At this point, the company and many community users are strongly encouraging that any user who has used any of the affected game mods immediately delete and reinstall the game and delete any mod files associated with Harmony or any of Chaos's mods. At the same time, they point out that this classic supply chain attack could easily be repeated since while Chaos's account has been banned, this is, after all, the internet, and it's really not that difficult to make up a new name and start publishing mods again. I don't personally play City Skylines, but this story sends a strong chill down my spine, because as many of you know, I do run a heavily modded private Minecraft server. I take the security of my server very seriously, as hackers are increasingly realizing what a fertile ground online multiplayer games are for injecting malware into users' machines. The number of attempted connections to my server has gone up more than 20-fold since the Log4j vulnerability was discovered, mainly by users trying to log in and compromise the Java logger. And this on a server whose address I have never published. Game modding communities tend to be very open and trusting, which is excellent for innovation and creativity, but maybe not so good for security. I'm sure many game companies will see stories like this as a cue to curb their active modding communities or more strictly controlling it, or to simply shut them down completely. That would be a shame. And finally, to players on my server, in case you've ever wondered why my custom mod packs use only open source mods that I can look at the source for, this story is one of the main reasons. An angry thanks to Sean McCune, Rachel Zimmerman, and Christopher Reamer for producing this episode of Angry Tech News. More than ever, we are realizing that corporate tech and corporate media are not working for us, that they don't have our interests in mind, and that we should not rely on them for managing our critical information. That's why it's so important to support independent media and information. If someone out there is providing you useful independent information or entertainment free of advertiser and corporate influence, then they need your support, whether it's fiat dollars, bitcoins, or simply telling others about the product. Without user support, we can easily lose access to these critical resources. And while I wouldn't presume to think that you consider Angry Tech News to be a critical resource in your life, I will continue to try to behave as such and bring you opinionated tech news every week for as long as I'm able. Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't play ads, and we do not charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you got value out of listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com, click the donate button. Send what you think this show was worth to you, whether it's 20 bucks, 50 bucks, or 100. That's all for me. 
I'm Ryan Bemmers, the Angry Programmer. I will come back next week with more Angry Tech news. Hopefully some of it's not about Ukraine. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com Stay angry Stay angry Stay angry